Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hey, peers, I've got a question for you. What would you say is the most important characteristic any entrepreneur should have? There are so many to pick from being creative, passionate, visionary, resilient. All of them are just so vital. But what's your personal pick? For me, I'm going to go with confidence. And this week's guest has plenty of it. When she's not hosting her own podcast, Smart is Sexy, Celeste Derve is leading the way as a co-founder of Viber, an experiential talent agency reimagining brand engagement and guest experience for the world's biggest brands. Celeste joins the podcast today to chat about tackling addiction to social media, knowing when it's time to grow and evolve your business, and the unexpected loneliness that can come with being an entrepreneur. Before I dive in, peers, I want to remind you to please share this episode. Take a screenshot right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that together, we can share today's message and conversation with our peers out there who may just need to hear it. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Celeste. Celeste, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in marketing and the talent space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy. I actually haven't been on anyone else's podcast in a while. So this is good for me to get on and talk because I always forget to talk about my story. So thank you for having me and letting me share. Absolutely. Amazing. Celeste, look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
So I am Celeste. I own Viper. We're an experiential talent agency based out in LA. And I know that some people will hear that and say, what does that mean? (laughs) Basically, we are an all-female team and we do anything that requires experiential talent. So that can be when you go to an event and you get checked in at the front door. That can be the girls who serve your drinks. That can be the girls who hand you a gift bag at the end of an event. That can be the girls you meet at a trade show. So anything that mixes experiential and talent, we do. We just happen to do it as an all-female team. So that's what we do over here. And then in addition to that, I also do host a podcast with my co-founder called Smart is Sexy. We just talk about love and business and spirituality and try to have like a little bit of like deeper conversations, really intentional conversations, not, you know, clickbait content, which we felt like we were seeing a lot of. Oh, that darn clickbait content. (laughs) I fully hear you. And it's so cool, Celeste, what you do and your business and the fact that you're full female-led, female team. And I can't wait to dive deeper into it with you. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And this is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? My mom is an immigrant and my mom was super young when she had me. She was 19. So was my dad actually, both very young. So my mom moved to the U.S. on her own and she was working at a hotel, kind of just like taking jobs where she could get them. And she was a temp for a long time. And then eventually, once I was a junior in high school, she got her citizenship and she ended up going back to school. And now she works as an executive in finance for Disney. But for the longest time, she just, you know, would always try to scale her career in the corporate world. My dad was way more (laughs) of a free spirit. He always says like he's unemployable. It wasn't like he couldn't hold down a job. He just had a problem with authority. He wanted to create it for himself. So he, you know, would try all different types of things. He would try writing a book or opening businesses, just different things, you know, until he kind of figured out what worked for him. But he actually lives in Spain. So I actually haven't seen him in about 10 years. And I believe now he's doing some life coaching stuff. He's always just been really about like living life and life first, work second, I would say. (laughs) What do you think was the greatest lesson that your parents taught you, your mom specifically taught you? Honestly, the best thing my parents did for me was they raised me as an independent thinker. And they taught me to question everything, the government and teachers and everything. And I grew up really politely because I do come from an immigrant mom. So if anyone's familiar with that, we have very strict rules. You know, my mom's born and raised in India. So I did have to be very polite. I wasn't allowed to throw tantrums or be rude or ever be disrespectful. But my parents did teach me that just because you hear something, even from an adult, that does not mean it's fact. So my whole life, I grew up as an independent thinker. And now, you know, there's so many people in my life that I love and I trust, but I always contemplate for myself. I'm a big reader. I like to think for myself. So that was something that I think is the most impactful thing that they did for me. I just think that's so valuable. I think especially, you know, this day and age that we live in and everyone's telling us this is how we should do things. This is what our lives should look like. We should just take the leap and be an entrepreneur because that's how the cool and sexy thing to do or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, for our peers out there listening who maybe feel a bit of that, you know, they feel a bit of, oh, I don't really have that internal compass like you did growing up, you know, and I'm feeling swayed and I just don't know who to listen to. What should we be doing to kind of find our inner voice? 
I actually have a lot of thoughts on this <laughs> because I spend a lot of time thinking about this. One thing that I really believe is your intuition and your gut knows like somewhere inside you, you know, what's meant for you. But I think it's really hard to listen to ourselves when we are surrounded by input, the constant content and the notifications and the text messages and everything. It is so overwhelming. And I even notice it for myself. You know, I'm somebody who is an independent thinker. I spend a lot of time thinking about my own concepts and even I get so overwhelmed, you know, if I'm in a TikTok or a YouTube spiral and then I'm like, holy shit, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life because I just watched so many other people live their lives that I'm a little confused. Like, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I not successful? Should I just be living an aesthetic life? <laughs> Which I don't. And I always talk about that too. Like my life is not super aesthetically pleasing. If you were to watch me work all day, I'm in sweatpants and a hoodie and I sit at my computer all day. You know, so I don't make the day in my life videos because, you know, it's just me at a computer. So then what happens is I watch other people and I'm like, oh, maybe I should think more like them because they're getting a million views and they're just this world of creators. So anyways, what I would say is just walks in nature are like my saving grace. Like I have to go for walks. I have to just be in a room where I think for myself. Something else that I do is I love to read. I'm a big like physical book person. No Kindle, no Audible. Like I love a physical book. And that really takes me into like its own world where I'm not looking at my phone. But for me, like the biggest thing is getting away from my phone because I will just consume, consume, consume. And it will literally get to the point of drowning out the sound of my own voice. I'm like, I don't even know what to talk about anymore. Should I just talk about what everyone else talks about? And I think that's really problematic. And I think about that long-term too for society, but that's a whole separate conversation. So I would definitely say walks in nature, reading whatever you can find flow in and whatever takes you off your phone. Oh my God. Like sitting in a room quietly is very challenging for a lot of people, myself included. And I think that's very telling. Oh, so telling. When has been the time that you've grappled with the phone or the distraction? I'll use the word distraction because I think it can be the phone. It can be others' opinions that are just coming at you elsewhere. When's the time that you've recently really just struggled to kind of stay in your own and not get distracted? And do you think there's more that we can be doing to reduce that for ourselves? I honestly struggled a lot this year around the holidays. So I had a crazy year last year between a ton of things changing in my business, my first time in a lawsuit, going through a big breakup, moving houses, moving areas. I mean, so much happened last year. And so I tried to make it a priority over the holidays, over that month of December to relax. I felt really burnt out. And I found that when I started relaxing, I started getting like kind of addicted to my phone because I was like, oh, you know, I'll go look at social media. It's kind of mindless and let myself relax. And what happens is whether we like it or not, we get addicted to it. Anyone who says that they're not addicted, I'm like, I don't know if that's true because these apps are literally designed for your addiction. They're not designed by rookies. They are studying your every move and they're enhancing their app every chance they get to send you a quicker dopamine hit. So that December, and then it really led into January. And I kept telling myself in January, I'll get it together. I'll get it together. I'll get it together. And then January came and I did not get it together because <laughs> I was already in this addiction phase. 
And so what I really had to do to break out of it was I actually read Atomic Habits by James Clare, which I thought was great. And he talks about 1% shifts. And this is something I implemented and it works really well for me. It's like when you see the problem, instead of trying to change everything, right? Like tomorrow, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm just going to work out and work and eat vegetables all day. You know, like everyone loves to think we're going to do everything tomorrow. It's just a 1% shift. So it's just no phone after 10. That's it. And then the next week, it's no phone after 10 or before 8. Maybe we add that on. And then it's okay, now I have a screen limit of two hours a day and let's see how that goes. You know, it's little things like that 1% shifts, but that was something that I was noticing was just really affecting my mental health so deeply. And so I've really been working on these 1% shifts and I love to go for walks, but I haven't been good about them because it's been very cold and rainy. And so I haven't been doing that a ton either, but I'm just like, okay, even if I stretch for five minutes, you know, and whatever brings me back to myself is what I try to do. Instead of trying to do everything at once, I'm just like, we can just do these little things. But yeah, it happened to me recently. And I think that people think just because you have a successful career or, you know, you do well in one area that you have it all figured out. And that is like, so not true. I'm like, I struggle in all the same ways and I'm still working on them actively, you know, and haven't figured them out. Oh. I so resonate with you, Celeste. And I want to dive into that. I just think that sometimes when we see all the shininess and the fact that, I mean, you're seven years deep in business, you know, Forbes list and all the amazing things that you have achieved and that should be absolutely recognized. But sometimes I think, you know, that glossy exterior can just almost portray us in a light that's just so untrue or at least a part untrue. So I guess I want to dive a bit deeper into that. You know, you mentioned that last year was a really tough year. You had kind of changes in your business, personal things come up with your breakup. You know, if you take us back to the start of what you were trying to build. Did you ever foresee what was coming for you last year? And I guess more so than that, how can we get comfortable with the fact that five, six, seven, eight, nine years, 10 years into our businesses, we still might not be perfect? Yeah, I think that is like such a common misconception that, you know, once you hit a threshold, you're good. And I actually disagree. I actually think when you're in the beginning stages, you're in your most like you're in your best place because everything is exciting. Anything that comes your way is exciting. You're still figuring out what works and what doesn't. When you get into that middle space of like three years, five years, seven years, something that I've learned is you may have like a few accolades under your belt. You might have like some articles or you might have some revenue and things like that, but you have to keep evolving. And so this gets really challenging when you don't necessarily know where to go next. And something that I've found as a founder that's very interesting, I mean, in my head, I call it like the founder paradox, but that's just made up. And it's because it's twofold as a founder on one side. You have to give your clients and your customers and your team what they want and what they expect. But on the other side, as a founder, as a visionary, as a creative, you have to keep evolving. You have to keep pushing the needle. You have to do something new. And so something that happens when, at least for me, being in that space is I'll get a little confused. I think I need to take this next step. I think I need to evolve. I think it's a slight pivot. But if I ask an advisor or a mentor or a close friend, they're like, no, you have a great thing going. You already have something. Don't fix what's not broken. And so for me, that's like a really interesting space to be in. You know, you won't be there until you're kind of in like a middle space in your business a few years in. 
And so that's something that's really interesting because then that space comes with its own new challenges and also just evolving too. I mean, nothing is cool forever. So if you're in the space of having a business or you're a creator, anything like, you know, everything cycles. So if you do have a goal of being relevant or, you know, still growing, you do have to evolve. You do have to keep moving forward, but you also, people come to you for what they know they're going to get from you because you've built that reputation. So that's a really interesting place to be. And any founder, I mean, if there is anybody who can relate to that, like they'll know firsthand, like we don't always know what comes next. You know, I have a team of 140 girls and I think about it all the time. I'm like, do I take a risk that impacts them? And it could go very well. It could be amazing. This could be the thing that makes us IPO who I don't know, or this could not go well. (laughs) This could burn us to the ground. So it's just interesting. It's something that I think about a lot. I stress about a lot. And there's a lot of demands as a founder. You have to be relevant. You have to be paying attention to the economic climate. That makes a big difference, like big difference. You have to be paying attention to the political climate, you know, paying attention to everything that goes on. So there's so many times in owning a business where you'll be at a place where you're like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. But to the outside world, they're like, oh, you're in Forbes, you're in this, you're in this, you must have it all figured out. I'm like, I have some things figured out, you know, I have like revenue and leadership and stuff figured out, but do I have the future nailed down? No. And I don't think anybody does, you know, as much as we like to pretend. How can we get better at just owning the fact that we don't have it figured out? You know, at least for myself, when you say that, I so resonate, you know, I'm five years into this journey. I feel like I'm truly just starting out all over again right now with all the changes that are going on. But, you know, at the same time, sometimes I just don't know how much I trust myself or my decisions I'm making right now. And it's so scary for our peers out there listening. And, you know, really just for me, what would be your advice on that? Uh, the trusting yourself one was something that I went through a lot. I had a therapist after my breakup and I dated somebody for a year. And then afterwards I was like, I don't know how we dated. There was a lot of issues. And so I came out of it being like, I don't know if I can trust myself in my own decisions now because I just spent a year with somebody and looking back, I don't really know why. <laughs> and so then that kind of carried into my business. And then I was like, shit, well, maybe I should be trusting my advisors and stuff because I couldn't even figure out, you know, who to be dating and things like that. So a lot of like our own insecurities come out. But I think the only thing I can say, honestly, because I'm still working on it too, is everything you win either way, right? Like either you learn a lesson and you don't make that decision next time or it works out. But like you win either way. And I have to remember that. And something that my business partner always says, and this helps me a lot. So I grew up Obviously, my mom is an immigrant, and I come from very, very humble beginning. We didn't have a lot of money. So something that my partner always says is, well, if we learn a lesson, if we lose money, it's just money. And it sounds like, no, it's not just money. Like, money is how I live my life. But she always says it, and it really calms me down so much. She always like, it's just money. It's just money. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it is just money, you know, because I think that's what it comes down to. Like, everything we stress about in life, I think, at the end of the day, is mostly about money because money can fix anything. So yeah, so that helps me a lot when I'm not sure what decision to make or I'm unsure if I should trust myself. I always am like, okay, either you learn a lesson or you move forward, but either way you win. And if you lose money, it's just money. And like, that's honestly, (laughs) that's just what I say. I hope that resonates with some people because 
if you tell my mom that, she's like, it's not just money. Like, you know, I'm like, okay. But it helps me a lot. It's so true. And I'm so happy you brought up money, Celeste. Honestly, I think that so much of the time, you know, we can get so caught up with this thing called money and it just like runs our lives. And I think as founders, we're forced to be so cognizant of the financial status of our business. You know, we've got people to pay. There's so much going on. And even right in the early days when that's really scarce and you're just kind of trying to gather all your resources together. I think something that I really struggle with, and I'm sure our peers out there listening can relate, is this idea that when you're going through a massive change in business or just a shift or whatever it may be that we go through, at least for myself, I feel like the people around me won't understand what I'm going through. And I take that on board because I don't share enough. But I also just feel like unless you're deep in this journey, do you even understand this kind of level of pressure or whatever it may be, or this desire to make the leap and whatever it is. So it's just like, it becomes, at least for me, so tough to want to open up during this time. Have you ever faced that yourself? And if so, you know, how have you navigated through that? Yeah, I have faced that because I was in a very different space, especially because I started Viper at such a young age. You know, I started when I was 20. And so in your early 20s, like at least for me, most of my friends were not building companies or trying to scrape by. And so that was also difficult for me because money was very tight. I was investing everything we had back into the company. I couldn't go to dinners and, you know, go hang out and do all of the things that they could. So it was a little isolating. And I would talk about it maybe here and there, but I really didn't feel like it was understood. In my case, I had a co-founder and that was like my saving grace, you know, and her and I ended up moving in together and we're just like family now. And so like we shared so much of that struggle and that was really beneficial to me was just being able to like constantly communicate and like feel things out, you know, and help each other through different like moments and different stages. So her and I lived together for three years. And when I did move separately and I did start spending a lot of time on my own, I did go to therapy. And like, that was also very helpful was to be able to talk about that. Granted, therapy is like a bit expensive. So I don't know if that's like super accessible, but I think having a co-founder that you trust or having a therapist or something is so, so, so beneficial and just so helpful. And, you know, there's like founder groups, you know, where people kind of join. I've tried a few, I've tried three and I didn't get much out of any of them. Honestly, to me, there's just too many people, you know, they want you to be super vulnerable in a room of like 10, 15 people that you don't really know. (laughs) So it was really hard for me to get anything out of those, but I do think the journey can be very lonely. That's also a big reason I got a puppy, which is so random, but I was just like needing support. I think that that is just part of it. And like, it's okay. I feel okay taking on a journey that might be a little lonelier. Like for me, it's okay. But I think for anybody who's less comfortable with being on their own, there's a chance it's just not right for you. You know, I'm a super independent person. I grew up, it was just me and my mom. I don't have siblings. Like I've always been on my own. I've always spent time on my own. So this journey is very comfortable for me, even though it is equally lonely. But I do think that's something to consider. You know, you might need a therapist or you might need a co-founder or a really good friend, but in the moments that you don't have them, like, I think it's just okay to be like, 
oh, this is just a lonelier journey. Maybe I'm not going to solve the lonely part today. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to solve it later on, you know, when I'm more stable. And I think sometimes we just like surrender to that. And I don't know if that's really helpful, but it was something that I had to do. It's so funny. It's a huge part of the reason I started the podcast to feel like I wasn't as alone and to have these conversations, which honestly just like enrich my soul. Like they're just everything. I so just respect and appreciate what you're saying. Oh, Celeste, we honestly could talk forever. I'm absolutely loving this, but I am mindful of your time. I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? Uh, the failure one is hard because I feel like I've had so many that it's like, how do you choose? <laughs> you know, how do you pick? I have had a lot. Like, I just want to say that it's not hard because there hasn't been any. It's hard because I've done it over and over and over again. I think that for us, maybe in the way that we built the business, I would say like, if I could go back and do something different, like I wouldn't build solely like a service business. Like, I think that's a really challenging thing to scale. It's doable. And I'm like living proof of that. But I think it's a really high input of work. And it just takes a lot. So I think like, not necessarily that was a failure. Like I think our business is exactly where it needs to be, like in the grand scheme of things. But with owning a service-based business and like with being in a place where I struggled financially for so long, I opened us up to, you know, taking so much advice from different people or bringing on advisors. And honestly, when I did all those things. Like I did it from a very insecure place because I was so nervous that, you know, the business wasn't profitable for its first like four years or so, but doing that and like taking advice, like from an insecure place, I think is a failure in a way because you kind of let other people run your show and then you get yourself into situations that then you have to get yourself out of, you know, and there's been times where we bit off more than we could chew or we, just made decisions that backfired. And it's just really challenging. Like when you don't have like a ton of capital at your hands, which I didn't have for years. And so there was a lot of times where I got us into trouble. There was a while where we didn't pay rent (laughs) because I just physically could not, you know? And so I think like there was just so many different failures along the road. And now where I'm at is I'm a lot more trusting of the process and I'm a lot more excited about failures because I'm like, okay, thank God. I know that that doesn't work. Now I can move on because otherwise you spend your whole life wondering. And I think I apply that to anything, relationships, anything that comes my way. If it fails, I'm like, okay, well now I know that doesn't work. Hopefully it wasn't a super expensive failure, but, and biggest win. Honestly, I think our team is the biggest win by far. I have the most incredible management team and just team overall I get raving reviews about them and they are the only way like our business grows because I can't physically be everywhere and we work in a service industry. So it's not like we're just scaling a product. And so having like a good team, which I have the absolute best is my biggest win by far. I trust them with everything. They take so much ownership of the brand. So that's definitely biggest win. I love that. So, so cool. Look, Celeste, over the last seven years since starting your business, since, you know, that 20-year-old girl mustered up the courage to make something happen, you've really gone from strength to strength. You know, you've received so much recognition for your work in amongst the natural failures that happen in this journey. And most recently, you were featured on the Forbes 
30 under 30 list, which is how we found you. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give to our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? The first piece of advice I would say is you have to have blind faith. You have to know in every bone in your body that you are going to succeed. And so every time things don't go your way, you lose a deal, you lose money, something goes wrong, you have to trust the universe so much. Like you have to have blind faith in this outcome that it's for the better. It's for the better because it has to be. So that's the biggest one, blind faith. Like it has to be so unwavering, you know, and that's like a big thing just with manifesting too. The second thing I would say is no one knows more than you do. Like everyone, sure. Do we all have our own expertise? Do I know more about my personal industry maybe than the average person? Sure. But nobody knows how to build your business and do what you want to do better than you. And I think when we get advice, it's so easy to be like, oh, this person is either older than me, more successful than me, wealthier than me. They must know what to do. But the flip side of that is like, there's a reason that there's so much perspective out there is because there is room for your perspective, your angle, whatever's true to you. And I think what people forget too is like, what's so interesting about other people is that they're not you. (laughs) So you can like learn and listen and like hear somebody's perspective because we all live different lives. So that's like something I would remember. Somebody else tells you, oh, well, this failed for me. Don't do this. But you really believe it's going to work out, then you do it. Because it doesn't matter if it failed for somebody else. Who cares? (laughs) That was them, you know? Maybe it's for you. So I definitely think that's the second one is, you know, no one knows you better than you or your business better than you. And then the third one I will say, which I heard this and I didn't do it because I was always stressed out, is enjoying the process. This is so funny because I used to be told this all the time and I never did it because I was always stressed out about the next step. Where am I going to be in a year? Where am I going to be in two years? Where am I going to be in five years? And so now looking back, I'm like, girl, you were in your early twenties in LA having fun. Like I'm so nostalgic over those moments. You know, like I look back on being broke and like going to bars with my friends and trying to meet people and stuff. And in those moments, I was so stressed out. I would go with my friends and I would come home. It would be three in the morning and I'd be like writing down what to do to make Viper better. What I saw at this nightclub, what I saw at this bar, where we could improve their system, like just as case studies. And that's fine. But looking back, I'm like, you should have been having so much more fun. Like you did not need to be that stressed out all the time, you know, like, and I look back and I'm like, that was such a fun time. Like you were meeting so many new people. Everything was exciting. And you know, when you're first starting out, everything is exciting. I used to have a good meeting with somebody and I'd be like, Oh my God, that was the best thing ever. Even if nothing came from it. And now I have meetings with people and I'm like looking at the time because I'm like, Oh, I have so much to do. And I think we lose that excitement. We start looking at something as routine and as goals and we forget that like, oh my God, this is so cool. So I also got the advice to enjoy the process and I didn't do it. So if anyone listening does it, (laughs) I will be very happy because you'll look back and you know, I mean, it didn't feel fun in the moment. I'll tell you that. But when you look back on it, you're like, wow, I built something. I did that. I went through that. So as much as you can, document the process, write it down, journal, enjoy it. I think that's so important. Just couldn't agree more. So true. 
Celeste, it has been so, so cool and just great to chat with you. I feel like we've gone so deep today. I've got one final question, but before I ask you that, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us ambitious women that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, it's okay. It's okay to be a dreamer. We can make it happen, even though it'll be really tough and we're going to have to stick at it. But for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you for having me and giving me the platform to share. Absolutely. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? To me, the value is that you lived your life. I think that the one thing that would be my biggest regret in the world is if I was 90 years old and I looked back and I was like, shit, I let my life go so unlived because of what other people had to say or what I thought other people had to say. Because so many times we think other people are going to judge us or they're watching us or they're watching our every move or they're critiquing us. And it's like half the time they're not. But I think about that all the time. And anytime I'm in a situation that's a little confrontational because I like, I hate confrontation. I think about that. I'm like, okay, if you were 90 and you were looking back at this moment right now and you don't say anything, is your 90 year old self going to be like, you should have said something because I'm just like, the one thing that gets me is like, I cannot let my life go unlived because what a shame, you know, and that could be for anything, you know, maybe you want to just go on a lot of hikes or something, then go do that at the biggest level that you can, or maybe you just like to cook or like, you know, whatever it is, like, it doesn't have to be building a business. For me, it's just like making sure that my life is lived. Ah, Celeste, yes, I hear you. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely awesome. Where can we learn more about you and Viper? So my Instagram, which is just at Celeste Vey. I'm trying to get on TikTok and YouTube. I'm like the worst content girl, but I'm working on it. (laughs) It's coming soon. And then if you want to listen to our podcast, my co-founder and I co-host it. It's called Smart is Sexy. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts. And that one is on YouTube, actually, as well as any audio platform. So those are some good places. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, we will end. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst 
your peers. <laughs>